Hello folks, it's Nate again. A little bit of an emergency podcast here on a Thursday. It's Thursday, February 28th. For those of you that have been uh, not paying attention to the news today or living under a rock, Bryce Harper has uh, finally signed, although it's not official, it'll be official on Friday after he goes through his physical. He has signed with the Philadelphia Phillies. And uh, I had so many thoughts rolling around in my head, and I didn't want to lose any of them before next week. So I decided, you know, I'm going to jump on. I'm going to do a quick, uh, just how I'm feeling. I don't know how quick it's going to be, actually. I've got uh, an outline in front of me that's six points long. I, I obviously have a lot of thoughts. I uh, ironically was just outside of Philadelphia today for a, for a work meeting, and I found out driving back to Maryland uh, that Bryce had signed. And uh, I was... Not really shocked, uh, but we'll get into my initial reaction, the contract, other reported deals that were offered to him, uh, why did he sign with Philadelphia, and some final thoughts. Before we begin, I'll let you guys know uh, we are affiliated with the DMVSportsNetwork.com. That is the DMVSportsNetwork.com. They're an up-and-coming DC Sports website. Be sure to check them out for all things DC Sports. I'm sure they'll have great coverage on Bryce Harper. They've got some great podcasts especially uh, Half Street, High Heat. You need to give them a a listen, covering all things Nationals. I'm sure when they record on Sunday that they will uh, talk primarily, if not only, about Bryce Harper. It's big news here in D.C. Um, And be sure to follow us. By the way, this is the podcast, It's About Time, uh, D.C. Sports Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, It's About Time, D.C. One. That's I-T-S, About Time, D.C. One. Give us a follow. Uh, Let us know. What you think of the podcast, subscribe to us, rate us, whatever you feel uh, is necessary. We appreciate you guys always listening. I hope you find this a bit entertaining. Uh, I've had a lot of this pent up uh, most of the offseason. I was waiting for him to sign. I was relatively certain that he wasn't going to sign with the Nats, especially after the Nats spent what they spent on Patrick Corbin and Kurt Suzuki trading for Jan Gums. I mean, the Nats did everything they could to make their team better. They took a shot at Bryce Harper. What kind of shot would you say that is? Well, we'll talk about that when we get into the other reported deals that Harper was offered. Um, but the Nats gave it their shot, and then they said, you know what, we're going to build our team without him. And I, I'm going to start by saying, if you're a Washington Nationals fan and you're upset at the learners, I'm sorry, but that's misguided. The learners, they made what they felt was a fair offer. And they had to put an expiration date on it because they had other priorities that they wanted to tend to. And Bryce wanted to see what free agency was like. And Mike Rizzo went, okay, well, we're going to go and build our team then. And that's what they did. And the Nats are still uh, one of the favorites to win the National League East. I think it's certainly a three-horse race now with Philly. You could call it a four-horse race with the Mets. I'm not as high on the Mets as a a lot of people are. But uh, it's going to be a very interesting season. The Nats... And, and the Phillies will have, a, uh, I think, a pretty intense rivalry now that Bryce is on the other side. Uh, they've had an interesting rivalry. I wouldn't really call it a rivalry, but an interesting relationships because Jason Worth was here. This, I think, really adds gasoline to that fire. Uh, it'll certainly be interesting, and the Nats get to see him the, th- the third game of the season. Uh, the Nats open... I believe not the third game, but well, the second series of the season after the uh, season opener against the Mets. All right, so I'm going to start with some disclaimers. Uh, first of all, I loved Bryce Harper as a Nat. I wanted him to be a lifelong National. Uh, it wasn't so much because of his performance on the field. He gave us some thrilling moments. But I wanted him to be a lifelong Nat because he was one of the most recognizable faces 
in baseball, and before the Nats started winning divisions, he gave the Nats relevance. Him, Steven Strasburg, to a slightly lesser degree, because Strasburg is not outgoing. He doesn't talk that much, and he only plays every fifth day. However, I have been saying since about September that the Nats should focus on signing and extending Anthony Rendon if they only had money to spend on one star. Now, this offseason has shown that they could have easily done both. They could, given the guarantees that they gave out this offseason to Patrick Corbin, especially, they could have theoretically given Harper the contract the Phillies gave him, or slightly better, and extended Rendon and spent about what they're spending this year. However, their pitching staff wouldn't be as strong, so it's a give and take. But I have been saying since September, if I'm going to build a, a team around one guy that's currently on this roster, it would be Anthony Rendon. Uh, I love Anthony Rendon. I love the way that he carries himself. I love the, the message that he sends to the rest of the clubhouse. He leads by example. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, so let's get to my initial reaction. Uh, my gut reaction when the news hit today around, I don't know, 2 o'clock Eastern, uh, my first thought when I saw the, the contract parameters, uh, my first thought was like, my God, the guy took less to go to Philadelphia. And by less, I mean, it, he was offered 10 for 300 by the Nets. But he took less on an average annual value at 25 point whatever, 0.4 million uh, to go to Philadelphia. And my second thought was he gave a team-friendly deal, because it's a very team-friendly deal, to Philadelphia, a team he's never played for. But he wasn't willing to do that in October for the team he's played the last seven years for. And my, my other thought was Philly couldn't have been his first choice, couldn't have even been his second or third choice. If he really wanted to market himself and he really wanted to um, maximize his earning potential and maximize his Q rating, he wanted to be in New York, Boston, Chicago, L.A. And... None of those materialized. L.A. apparently offered him a deal. We'll get to that in a minute. But none of that really materialized. The Yankees and Mets were never in on him. The Red Sox are way over the luxury tax, have no need for him, especially with Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez in their outfield and, and Jackie Bradley Jr. The Cubs have probably three or four guys on their team that I would consider to be better than Bryce Harper. I would take Anthony Rizzo over Bryce. I'd take Javi Baez. And I would take Chris Bryant over Bryce. And uh, then you have the Dodgers, who had the money, but they weren't willing to go long-term. And I respect that. They weren't willing to go long-term. Their offer to him was short-term, but very high annual average value. Bryce apparently was not interested in a short-term deal. And then there was San Francisco. San Francisco was the only other team outside of the Nationals that made Bryce a long-term deal. Uh, but again, the Giants are a team that is they're kind of teetering on are we going to try to reload and go for it again, or are we going to tear down? And, and they, they seem to me now, especially that they're out on Bryce, they seem to me to be closer to a teardown. So, in my opinion, Harper took a, a contract that I think a lot of people in October would have been surprised that he signed. If they saw a deal like that, they would have thought that he would have signed it with the Nats. Especially the no opt-outs, which is very interesting to me. Nats fans, to me have every right not to like Bryce. Now, Bryce had no idea that the free art, free agent market was going to be so cold on him, but he never really, at the beginning, gave the Nats a chance. He wanted to see free agency. He took a risk. It didn't work out. Uh, and he does go to a division rival. And sports are emotional. Like, to say to somebody, 
It's a business. It's not a business to fans. Bryce earned the right to go out and get as much money as he could. He earned that right by committing seven years to the Nationals. He played as well as he could. He dealt with injuries. But he earned that right. The Nationals fans who have followed him also have the right to be emotional and to be upset if they if he goes to a division rival. And if he takes a deal that really on paper is, some would say, worse, some would say equal to what the Nats offered him. So I, they ever, my first was like, you know what, screw him. You know, I mean, I, I've, I've been preparing myself that he wasn't coming back, and I, I honestly think the Nats will be a better team without him. I think the clubhouse will be a better place to be. I think Davey will be able to manage the way he wants to manage. Tom Boswell wrote an article a few weeks ago about how it's been like in the, the last several years, 24 guys on the roster played by one set of rules, and there was one guy who played by another. That's gone. Um, it would have been great for the Nats. I think I thought a best-case scenario for the Nationals would be if Bryce left the division, went somewhere else, because I think the team would be better, and they wouldn't have any Bryce drama. Now they have 19 games a year against the Phillies, and it's the second series of the season. So there's going to be Bryce drama all year. There's going to be build-up to every Phillies series. Uh, that's going to get exhausting. It's already exhausting for me, to be honest. It, it is. You know, you're going to see a lot of Philly fans at Nationals Park. We haven't really seen that since 2012. Um, so it's not a best-case scenario for Nats fans. They have every right not to like Bryce. They have every right, in my opinion, to boo Bryce. Uh, will I boo Bryce? I probably won't. I'm not a big booer to begin with, but I, I probably won't. I mean, he did give us some exciting moments, and uh, he exercised his right. But I will say another part of my initial reaction was he carried himself and handled himself a lot like Kirk Cousins did. The difference is that the Nats never had a chance to give Bryce a long-term contract. The Redskins had a chance and they botched it to give Kirk a long-term contract. But then at the end, Kirk's talking all rosy about D.C., how he loves it here, you know, would love to be here if the situation's right. Bryce did the exact same thing. It comes off as disingenuous. Now, again, he earned the right to make as much money as he wants to, but if you're a Nats fan and you're coming from emotion, it comes off as disingenuous. So save it if you're one of those people going, oh, it's a business, you know, blah, blah, blah. I understand that. He can make as much money as he wants. It's his prerogative. It's also a Nats fan's prerogative to be angry if they want to be angry. Sports are an emotional thing. People are tied to it. They're emotionally tied to it. So let's take a look at the contract. Uh, we know a little bit about it. Um, 13 years, $330 million. Breaks down to an average annual value of about $25.4 million a year. The contract breaks down as follows. He gets a $20 million signing bonus. He'll essentially get paid out $275 million over the first 10 years. Uh, and then the final three, his age is, I guess, 37 to 39 seasons. He'll get paid three for 55. It's a very team-friendly deal. Uh, the, the Phillies are not tying themselves to an albatross the last three or four years of the contract. It's, it's a very good deal if you're the Philadelphia Phillies. There are no opt-outs, so Bryce can't leave. And it's a full no-trade clause. It's a very team-friendly deal for Philadelphia, uh, especially as the luxury tax goes up, as you would expect revenues to go up. Uh, I think you're going to look back on this deal 
if Bryce performs to 80% of what people think he's capable of, I think you'll look back on this deal in six or seven years and you'll say the Phillies got a steal. Um, that's why players like opt-outs. Let's compare it to two recent contracts. Manny Machado signed for 10 years, $300 million with the San Diego Padres with an opt-out after year five. So he can hit free agency again at the age of 31. That also places him in free agency after the new collective bargaining agreement where you would assume uh, some changes. If the Players Association can do what they're supposed to do, the changes will benefit the player and there will be more money for teams to spend on players. So Manny, willing to... He got the full guarantee of 300. Uh, over 10 years, he'll be a free agent when he's 36. Um, but he can opt out after year five if there's plenty of money out there and if he performs well enough where he thinks he can get a better deal than five years for 150 for his years 31 to 36 seasons. I th- Him opting out after year five, I think it's probably less than a 50-50 proposition. I think he probably stays beyond year five just because he'll be 31. But if the free agent atmosphere changes, then he'll opt out. Uh, remember when all these opt-outs happened, you know, Clayton Kershaw was a big one. People thought the players would automatically exercise their opt-outs. Steven Strasburg was given a rolling opt-out after years three and four. He's not going to exercise them because of the current free agent market. It's easy, at least it sounds like that. He has the opportunity to opt-out after this season. The other contract that was just signed is the Nolan Arenado deal. Arenado signed for eight years and $280 million dollars. An average annual salary of about $32.8 million, somewhere in that neighborhood. A great deal from Nolan Arenado. What's even better is after year three, he has the ability to opt out every year. He essentially has five player options from years four to eight. That is using your leverage. That is a player-friendly deal. Because after year three, if he goes, man, Colorado's not competing anymore, I want to Test my my medal out on the market, by all means. That's a top three player in the game contract. That's what Nolan Arenado is. If Bryce Harper was going to maximize leverage, that's a contract he would have attempted to get, but he is not in the same class as Nolan Arenado. I mean, if you're looking at the top five in the game, Bryce isn't in it right now. He just isn't. I mean, you got Mike Trout and then everybody else, but then that second tier starts with probably Mookie Betts and Nolan Arenado. Great deal for Nolan Arenado. And also, he'll have the opportunity after the new CBA, if the climate looks a lot better, to opt out. Or it also gives him leverage to renegotiate with Colorado and get more money. With Bryce, no opt-outs. 13 years tied to the Philadelphia Phillies and a lower average annual value than both players. Now, the only calling card for him, he now has the largest guarantee in baseball history. If previous was 13 years, $325 million for Giancarlo Stanton. That's all well and good. A, that will only stand for one year. It'll be a footnote because next year, Mike Trout's a free agent. He's going to shatter that. And then nobody will care about Bryce Harper's 13 for 330. He'll just be like nobody knows. Nobody can tell you off the top of their head what Albert Pujols' 10-year deal was worth. I mean, maybe some people can. I think it was close to like 10 for 250, but it's inconsequential now. All they know is that he underperforms on the back end of the deal. So to me, I think it's, I think it's 
a really interesting deal. Really worked out well for Philadelphia. A lot of Nats fans are going, man, if they could get him for that, why couldn't the Nats? The Nats had already spent their money, and I think that they were genuine when they said that they had moved on. They didn't have the money. And if you want to talk about other reported deals, the Giants reportedly, these are just reported numbers, offered him 12 for 310. Apparently, had they gone to 13 for 335, he probably would have been a Giant. That's just speculation. And then the Dodgers. The Dodgers offered him, I think, the most unique deal. It was a four-year deal, but at $180 million. Again, this is reported. Uh, I, I have not seen any corroboration of that. But four years at $180 million, That's $45 million a year for four years. And Bryce turned it down. The question is, Bryce turned it down. Could he have gotten $150 million over the next nine years to match what the Phillies had gotten when he's 30 years old? A lot of people would say, why not? 30 years old, you're still in the middle of your prime. It's an interesting thing that he did not take the short-term deal. And I have, a, I have a philosophy on that. Or not a philosophy. I have a feeling about that. My feeling is that Bryce was scared to take a short-term deal. He was scared of one of two things. The first thing is injury. He has been somewhat injury-prone in the early part of his career, running into walls, slipping on first base. He's been injury-prone. But the second thing is, if he had four more years that were similar to his average over the last six, we'll take his rookie year out of it, but his average the last six, He'd be a guy that's going to give you 30 to 35 home runs a year, maybe 40. He's going to hit 250 for you, and he might give you 80 to 90 ribbies, and he's going to be a below-average outfielder. So at 30 years old, if he gives you those numbers for the next four years, I mean, they're good numbers. Those are Chris Davis numbers, Chris Davis from Oakland. If he gave you those for the next four years, he's not going to get nine for whatever, however much money he wants. He's not going to get it. He was not. He was scared. He wasn't willing to bet on himself that he was the 2015 version of himself. He wasn't willing to. So he set his mind, or, the, or Scott Boris convinced him, or whatever you want to talk about. They set their mind on, we have to get the highest guarantee ever, even if it means we get a lower annual salary, and even if it means we're not allowed to opt out of the deal. He was scared of signing a short-term deal. He was scared of it. And... I don't know if I blame him. Maybe he knows who he really is, a below-average fielder, kind of a one-dimensional guy that's going to hit for power. But he's not really going to... He can be taken out of a... Like I've talked about the last couple of weeks, Ron Darling said, he can be taken out of a series. Put him on base. Pitch around him. He's going to hit, he's going to hit home runs. But if he's hitting 250, 260 every year, even though he's got a 390, 400 on base percentage, is he worth... $30, $35 million a year? I don't know. Is Chris Davis worth that? Is Mark Reynolds worth that? Mark Reynolds doesn't get on base that much, but if he played 140 games a year, he'd probably hit 30 homers. 230, 30 homers? What's the difference between 230 and 250? Not a whole lot. He was scared. And he wanted to, and this was well within his right to do it, wanted to get the guaranteed money, and that's what he went after. And the team that offered him the most guaranteed money was going to get him, and that was the Philadelphia Phillies. 
So why sign with Philly? Bryce's side, I don't, he's saying these these are Bryce. This is the spin that's coming out of Bryce's camp. He didn't care about opt outs. He wanted to be in one city for the rest of his career. He's also saying somewhat that he wanted to give the team flexibility to be a winner, to be able to go out and get more talent, and that he's going to show other big names, hey, it's great here in Philly, come join me. Okay. It's a nice spin. Uh, it's a way to try to save face after not getting the contract that you had been talking about and Boris had been talking about since you came into the league. I mean, if you remember a few years ago, somebody, I think it was a radio show or something, asked him, could you be the first $400 million player? And he said, don't sell me short. Well, they were selling you a little long, big guy. You only got 330 and your average annual salary is nowhere near Manny Machado, Nolan Arenado, and Mike Trout, Mookie Betts. They're going to blow you out of the water, and rightfully so. So my take on it is as soon as Bryce hit free agency, he and Boris were surprised, just absolutely shocked by the lack of interest. The six major markets, or six major teams that he really wanted to go to, the Cubs, uh, the Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, uh, Giants, etc. They just weren't interested, or at least not interested at the terms that they wanted. And I really think that Boris spent the last several weeks looking for a way out, for a face-saving deal. Uh, I had been saying that he was waiting for Ted Lerner to call. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. But he found that face-saving deal because he at least has one thing to hang his hat on, which is it's the highest guarantee of all time. Uh, and I think that the no opt-outs was a concession to get the full guarantee that was more than Giancarlo Stanton. His average annual value will be the 11th in Major League Baseball this year at just over $25 million. Philly got good terms, man. Had Bryce negotiated with the Nats in October with this deal in mind, and obviously there's no way to forecast that, but had he had this kind of deal in mind, I think he could have negotiated with the Nats in October and I think he could have gotten a slightly better deal. I really think here, in the scheme of things, that Boris dropped the ball. He misread the market. He overvalued his player. And as a result, I believe that Bryce is going somewhere that he didn't really want to go to. I think outwardly he's going to show that he's happy there. But I think we're going to find out he didn't really want to go there. and Or I don't think we'll find that out. I think it, he just, I just don't think he really wanted to go there. And I think Boris dropped the ball. I think he misread the market. And this is not a good look for Boris. Not a good look at all. Because Bryce Harper was supposed to be the cream of the crop in this free agent season. Manny got more money, at least annually, and with an, with an opt-out. And Nolan Arenado got much more money annually with five opt-outs. If my opinion, the two team the two player-friendly deals. Manny and Nolan, the team-friendly deal, certainly goes with Bryce. It is a giant concession from Bryce just because he wanted to sign, but he wanted to at least outwardly appear like he got the greatest deal of all time. But really, when you look at it, it's not. It's a decent deal for a player of his caliber. Uh, what he's done over his career, I know he's had the MVP season in 2015. Aside from that, he's really just been a Slightly above average player. 2017, he was on his way to another MVP, and then he got banged up. For that, I mean, he's okay, great contract for him in that respect. But based on what he perceived himself to be, it's not a great contract. 
And really, if you look at the Nats, who offered him 10 years, $300 million with no opt-outs in October, a higher annual average salary than what he's going to make with Philadelphia, and no opt-outs, just like what Philadelphia ended up getting with Bryce. you got to say the Nats read the market right, offered him a fair deal. The one thing you can detract from the Nats is it's been reported now. I'm sure Boris leaked it. Um, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt, although I'm sure some of it's true. The Nationals deal had a lot of deferred money. They're saying close to $100 million in deferrals, uh, potentially paying him out until he's 60, kind of like a Bobby Bonilla type deal. Um, and that, if that's true, then the contract wasn't worth, in present value terminology, it wasn't worth 10 for 300 But still, I think the learners looked at what their revenues are, how they want to structure their team, how they want to stay competitive, and they said, this is what we can do. And you look at the scheme of things. In overall value, they weren't far off. And had Bryce negotiated with them, I think he would have gotten a similar deal or he may be slightly better than what he's getting in Philly. So again, as I started with, you cannot, if you're a Nats fan, you cannot blame the learners. You cannot blame Mike Rizzo. They gave it what they thought they could give it. And don't forget, too, that the Nats spend like they're a high-revenue team, but they have one of the lowest TV contracts in all of baseball. Masson screws them. They're still in court trying to get like 150 or whatever it is, 150 million plus from Masson in back TV rights that they're owed. The Nats get pennies compared to the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cubs in TV revenue every year, and they still spend. But the reason that they have to do these deferrals is because they're not getting the TV money. They're anticipating getting it down the road. So you can't blame the learners. I mean, yeah, the learners are the richest owners in baseball, but you shouldn't expect them to dig into their really deep into their pocket to pay a guy like Bryce. They are doing what they can under the current circumstances. Eventually, who knows when, maybe by the time Bryce's contract is up, the mass and dispute will be resolved. Because everybody that's seen it has said the Nats are in the right and the Orioles and, and Masson are in the wrong. The Nats need to start getting more money from their TV contract. They're getting screwed. And once they do that, they'll be able to start giving more uh, traditional contracts. But they did what they could with Bryce. So uh, my final thoughts. I get a little water. I'm getting a little parched here. I think the Nats will be a better team in 2019 than they were in 2018. I don't think that's hard. I don't think that's a hard case to make. Their their starting rotation will be better with the addition of Patrick Corbin and Anibal Sanchez. I think that their lineup will be better. I mean, if you look at it, Bryce didn't have a great season last year. He had a decent second half. He had 300 in the second half, but he had 214 in the first half. And aside from his on-base percentage, you know, he he was the third best hitter. He was the third best hitter on the field behind Rendon and Soto. I think the Nats lineup would be better with the addition of Brian Dozier. Um, definitely the addition of Brian Dozier. And then, you you know, Howie Kendrick is back. Your catching tandem is going to give you so much more offense than Matt Wieters did last year. And Matt Wieters and Pedro Severino. Uh, Matt Adams is back, which is going to add some pop off the bench. Also platooning for Ryan Zimmerman. So you got to imagine they're going to put up more runs. I think fundamentally they're going to play better baseball. Defensively, they're going to be better at second base. Instead of having a banged-up Daniel Murphy, you're going to have Brian Dozier, who's always had positive defensive numbers. And your catching tandem, 
they're both good defensive catchers. I wouldn't say they're great defensive catchers, but they're both good defensive catchers. And you put Victor Robles in center, who is miles ahead of Bryce Harper defensively in center field. You have a full, fully healthy Adam Eaton in right, and you've got the teenage, no longer teenage phenom in Juan Soto. So defensively, and I think fundamentally they'll be better. I think they'll run the bases better with the additions, uh, especially the addition of Victor Robles on a daily basis because the guy runs with his hair on fire. Adam Eaton, fully healthy, will steal more bases. Apparently, Davey Martinez wants Trey Turner to, to take more chances to run because of his speed, use his speed more. I think it's going to be an exciting brand of baseball to watch. I think they'll better be better than they are they were in 2018 over 2019. I think their clubhouse will be better. I haven't been in their clubhouse. I'm taking a guess, but based on articles that I've read, where you know the the Boswell thing, 24 guys by one set of rules, one guy by another set of rules. Uh, you the one thing, the big contrast you get to look at. Last year, Bryce comes into spring training. The big story, the big elephant in the room is that he's going to be a free agent. And he goes to his first press conference. He said, if any of you ask me about my pending free agency, I'm walking out of here. And it just it made the situation worse. It made it worse because it created tension. Everybody knew they couldn't talk to Bryce. And he was just like a, he just was not pleasant when you saw him talk. Until the end of the season when the playoff race was over. And then he was really, you know, nostalgic about DC which I and you look back and you feel like it's disingenuous then you look at this year Anthony Rendon is in a, the exact same situation final year of his contract they he's saying that they're actively discussing extensions and he's talking about it he's like yeah man we'll talk there's no time limit I don't it's not going to be a distraction for me if it goes into the season it won't be a distraction he's so free and easy that it's not even really a concern I personally think that they'll get an extension done before the end of the year. I don't know if they'll get it done before opening day, but if you remember, they got an extension done in Strasburg's walk year, and that was done in, like, May. So I think the Nats will extend Rendon, and it's not even a thing. It's just not a thing. Nothing with Rendon is a thing. Everything with Bryce was a thing. So I think their clubhouse will be better. I also think Davey, last year, if I'm reading the tea leaves, could not run the team the way he wanted to because he had to cater to Bryce and it just I think he started the season at a disadvantage this year he gets to be in my opinion who he wants to be he gets to run the camp that he wants to run and that's been evident by apparently they're running they're having practice days where they only do fundamentals no hitting no pitching just defense fundamentals base running uh, I think that Davey has, is going to be focused more on that this year. I think that he had a harder time doing it last year with Bryce Harper in the lineup. It's not all Bryce. I mean, a lot of what the baggage that Bryce brings, some of it's his fault and some of it's not his fault. He's been in the spotlight since he was 16 years old. Um, but I think the Nats will... Uh, the Nats are going to be a contender to win not only the National League East, but I think they'll be a contender to make the World Series. Will they? I don't know. Uh, my second final thought is that Philly is is very much improved. I mean, they've there are people out there today that are saying now they've had the best offseason. They, they traded for JT Real Muto. They got Gene Segura. Uh, they added David Robertson, and now they have Bryce Harper. And I believe they are much improved, and I think that they have a chance to win the National League East. But let's not forget, they have the fourth best pitching staff in the entire division. The division, they have the fourth best pitching staff. 
Behind arguably 1A and 1B are going to be the Nats and the Mets and then the Braves. The Phillies are third from top to bottom. Now, if the Phillies go out and they get, they say, we're not done spending. They go get Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimball. That's a totally different story. If the Braves add Craig Kimball, that would be interesting. I mean, it seems like all the talent is just being dumped into the National League East. But the Phillies are, are much improved. But remember, their pitching is going to be a problem, especially they're going to have to win by scoring a lot of runs because in that ballpark where they play 81 games a year, Citizens Bank in Philly, it's a launching pad, especially in the summer. Going into that, or my next point, point three of my final thoughts is Harper's going to hit a lot of home runs in Philadelphia. He's going to hit a lot of home runs. The real question for him, and I think the reason why he stay, he took the full guarantee is can he stay healthy, not just for 162, but over the life of the contract? And how will his metrics add up? It's great if he hits 40 homers a year. But, again, if he's hitting 245, 250, 260, 40 homers a year, and he's a below-average defender, I mean, he's I guess they're paying him what he's worth then at $25 million for 40 homers. Um, but he is a focal point of that lineup now. He's something, somebody that teams are going to have to circle every time they face Philadelphia is Bryce Harper, and that park really plays into his strengths. I think at the end of the day, just based on longevity and the number of home runs he's going to hit, I think Bryce will most likely be a Hall of Famer, and I think he'll have a Phillies cap on when he does it. Um, I think the reason why, uh, to my next final point, I think the reason why a lot of Nats fans are so upset right now with the, with Bryce Harper going, aside from the fact that it's the Phillies and it's in the division, is not because of what they've seen Bryce do on the field, but what they think he's capable of. And if the next four or five seasons Bryce wins a couple of MVPs and Philadelphia wins a World Series or two, this is going to feel a lot worse in four or five years. But... If Bryce is who he's basically been over the last six years, minus his MVP season for Philadelphia, a guy who's going to hit for power, but he's going to spend some time on the DL with some with some injuries, and uh, he's going to be kind of merc- mercurial with his personality, and uh, he's going to hit 250, 260. I think you're going to look back four or five, six years from now, and the Nats are going to have Juan Soto and Victor Robles, who, if they turn out to be who we think they are, the Nats will be like, well, you know what? We've got them. We're good without Harper. But I think that the sting right now is that people still see Bryce as a generational player. And he still could be. He's 26. I mean, I'm not. That's part of what gives me apprehension is that he could turn into Mickey Mantle at 26. He's still 26. He could be a, you know. He could have a renaissance at 26, which is crazy. That's when most players come into their own, but he's already been an MVP. But the Nats did what they had to do to be competitive not only this year but in future years. And to me, Bryce is a very good player. He is not a generational player. He's not Mookie Betts. He's not Mike Trout. He's not Nolan Arenado. And he did not deserve the money they got, which is why he didn't get the money that they got. And the reason why Manny got more money year in and year out, 10 for 300, whereas Bryce is going to get in his first 10 years 275, is because Manny plays expert defense, especially at third base. At third base, he's one of the best defensive third basemen of all time. 
My final, final thought is that the Phillies' defense in the outfield is going to have some issues. With uh, Andrew McCutcheon, who I'm assuming will probably be playing left field, and Bryson right, or maybe flip-flop him, they're going to have some defensive issues if the numbers hold. Kutch is getting older, and Bryce's numbers last year were among the worst. Now, if Bryce finds himself again because he's finally got the guarantee, starts playing like that player who played with his hair on fire and ran after everything, that could change. But right now, you look at the Phillies' defense, they're going to have some issues in the outfield. If they get out of Kutch and Harper what those guys did over the last couple of years defensively. So I I, uh, I don't wish Bryce well. I mean, I hope he's healthy and, and I hope he's happy with his deal, but he's a Philly, so I can't wish him well because I want the Nats to beat the Phillies every time they go out. I, it's not sour grapes. Uh, I'm not one of those guys saying, you know, fuck Bryce. He shouldn't have left the Nats. He shouldn't have gone in division. He had every right to sign the contract that he did. But he also, Nats fans have every right to boo the hell out of him. And Nats fans have every right to hate him, especially because he had he signed a deal with any team for 10 for 350 or even 10 for 325, then at least he got more money than the Nats were offering him annually. This deal, they're trying to make it a face-saving deal for Bryce. I think a lot of people see through this deal and they realize, and Bryce realized, I might have overvalued myself. And he didn't want to go through free agency again. And he didn't want to bet on himself. So I wish him health. I wish him happiness. I hope the Nats beat them 19 times a year for the next 13 years. I know that that's not going to happen, but one can dream. And I look forward to one of the comments. I saw a couple comments that I want to reference before I before I end this thing. I uh, Max Scherzer said he can't wait to face him. And somebody said, uh, I hope Max shuts him down every time he faces him. I'll take Max in that fight. And somebody said that uh, a kid being born today will be old enough to throw batteries at Bryce in his at the end of his contract in Philadelphia. And I thought that that was very funny, considering Philadelphia fans are uh, they're a tough bunch. And if Bryce starts out slow, and Philly starts out slow, that's going to be a tough town to play in. It's going to be a tough town to live in not going to be like dc so bryce i wish you health i wish you happiness um but i'm happy with the team we got so that's it uh, that's all i've got for now um reminder we are affiliated with the dmv sports network.com that is the dmv sports network.com check them out on twitter at dmv underscore sn they are an up-and-coming dc sports website great podcasts great written material i'm sure they'll be all over this bryce harper stuff also check us out on Twitter. It's about time, DC One. That's I T S about time, DC One, and subscribe to our podcast wherever podcasts are available. Rate us, send us an email, send us a direct message. Let us know what you think. We love to hear from you guys. We appreciate you listening. Uh, until next week, when the Bryce Harper saga will be behind us, we can talk about spring training. We can talk about other things, but the Bryce thing will be done. I'm glad I had an episode just to do this. Until next week, have a great weekend, guys, and we will talk soon.